Very good to see you tonight in the Lord's house. We're going to begin our service with number 174. Arise, my soul, arise, shake off thy guilty fears. Thy bleeding sacrifice appear in my behalf appears. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord tonight. Tonight, in this hymn, the words of our final verse are so precious. I now am reconciled. God's pardoning voice I hear. He owns me as his child. I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw nigh. I draw nigh, Abba, Father, I cry. What a hope that we have tonight. We are no longer distant, separated, and in darkness. But we have been united, we draw near, and we're in the light of life, the glorious light of the liberty of the sons and daughters of God. What a hope we have this evening. And so we have the joy of drawing near and nigh to God. No power is able to keep us away because we have been redeemed by precious blood. We have access, full and free, And therefore, brothers and sisters, let us use that access that we have been so graciously given by our Lord. Let's sing with all our hearts this final verse.
Please be seated. <clears throat> Let's wait now upon the Lord and come to him as we commit our service in prayer. Our Father, as we have been privileged once again now to be in this place and house of prayer, what joy there is within our hearts to come boldly unto the throne of grace. We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of our need. And Lord, we are always in a time of need. But praise thy holy name that we are reconciled. There is no longer any charge against us. We are free. We are forgiven of all our sin. We have a home in glory. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Father, as we were thinking this morning about the precious verse of Scripture, that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Lord, let that truth rest in our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would meet with every one of us here tonight in this service. We'd be very conscious of the Spirit's working in our hearts, blessing the Word to us. Be with our brother as he opens the Scripture tonight. May he know himself carried along by the Spirit of God with that anointing from heaven. He would come as a messenger in the Word of God with a word in season. Dear Lord, I pray that as the word goes out, those still in the darkness of their own sin, not saved, that the Spirit would work effectually in every heart. Lord, meet with us as a congregation of people. We have so many different needs. We come from different backgrounds, different cultures, and yet in Christ we have a blessed union. We have a blessed communion one with another. And we rejoice in that. Dear Father, use us, we pray, in our own lives individually. Use us in our families. Use us, O God, for the extension of your kingdom in this very congregation that you've called us to be a part of. Lord, we want to be servants of the Most High God. We want, dear Lord, to be used whatever time we have left. Teach us all to number our days. We may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Remember, in our congregation, everyone that has a specific need, whether it's physical or spiritual or practical, Lord, Meet all the needs that we have abundantly, that we'll be able to say, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. We will not think that we have accomplished it on our own. We will rest and give praise to the name of our God. We lift up our hearts, Lord, tonight. We lift up our hands in praise and thanksgiving, and we ask that there would be Blessing upon blessing in every family. Grant to us household salvation. Lord, for 
children, relatives that have perhaps wandered away, draw them back, we ask. Answer the many prayers that have ascended in Christ's name on behalf of those loved ones, Lord. And those who are sick, we pray for them tonight. But Lord, we look beyond our own fellowship here. We think of the greater work of the kingdom of Christ in our nation. Those who are our missionaries that we know and love and support, bless them, Lord, and take care of every single need they have. We do pray earnestly for churches that are in places of great opposition, Christians that are in persecution this very day. We know that there are specific hot spots, it seems, throughout this world, Lord, where Christians and believers are suffering greatly for the cause of Christ. Bless them and be with them. Hold them up. Lord, let their light shine brighter than ever it has before, even through times of fierce persecution. Dear Lord, we don't know, we don't know how much time this world has left. The signs around us, things that are happening, the days becoming darker in many respects. Lord, help us to be bright lights in our generation. Help us to know the time period in which we're living, to be those who have understanding of the times so that we'll be lights, bright to shine for the Master. Hear our prayers tonight, Father, we pray. and Be with us now. Encourage our hearts as we come not only to this service, but at the conclusion as we meet around the Lord's table. Be very, very conscious of your hand upon us and the Spirit's help and presence in our time of worship. So be with us. We ask all these things now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Sing again, please, number 640, 640. Abide with me. We'll stand to worship.
welcome you tonight to our evening service. We're glad that you're here with us this evening, and we trust the Lord will meet with every one of us as we've come to worship Him, we've come to meet around His Word, and to hear words of truth for our own hearts tonight. Welcome everyone also viewing our service online tonight, whether you are nearby or far away. I want you to know you're very, very welcome in the Savior's precious holy name. As I was praying tonight for the persecuted believers, Christians across the world, there are most definitely hot spots that we are thinking of, our attention draws to. Perhaps you've heard of some of the intense persecution going on in India today and these days. We want to remember our brothers and sisters in the Lord there, that God would help them in this time of their suffering. There are so many variables. We do not know perhaps some of the more detailed information, but if you are paying attention at all to different news feeds that you will receive, you will know that things are very difficult for believers. And so we pray that God would help them and bless them and encourage them. We know the underground church in China. We know in Islamic countries where there is great difficulty and trial. And yet we also know that God purifies his church through times of persecution. Church history has borne this out. When it seemed the light of the gospel was flickering very, very low and persecution came in, however the devil tries to stamp out the light and stamp out the truth, it is just at those times where the gospel light seems to burn more brightly and there is advancement and increase and souls will profess their faith in the Lord even in the most dire circumstances of persecution. Well, maybe that's exactly what the Lord needs to do in the Western world. Maybe that's exactly what needs to come here in Canada. And so though we do not pray for persecution, yet we must also be aware that in the providence of God, He allows circumstances to come to the Church of Christ. And we want to be His servants that are ready for whatever will come our way. So in the time of peace, let us be sure, Christian, that we're not going to be caught off guard to prepare ourselves spiritually, prepare ourselves in the memorization of his word, and to prepare ourselves by his spirit, that we will be those who are filled with the spirit of God and praying for the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives day by day. So let's be attentive to these most important matters. As we have been remembering in our prayers Brother Cranston, do continue to hold up Reverend Cranston, the minister of our Port Hope congregation, as he is, well, hopefully getting better from the situation, the pneumonia that he's been going through this last six weeks now. Do pray for Brother Simon. He's preaching the word tonight in Port Hope. And uh, Brother Cranston, we're not just exactly sure how many weeks he'll be off, kind of going from week to week. Do remember Brother Fraser, Brother Robinson, they are the elders in charge and helping and assisting in Port Hope. And I know they greatly will appreciate your prayers as well to know exactly how to step forward along with Brother Cranston. 
Last Lord's Day evening, we had a time after a fellowship as we were thinking about uh, my mum's 98th birthday. Well, today is on the very day, and so we're happy that she's in the service tonight, and we bid her a special warm word of welcome at this milestone time uh, for uh, her in her life. After our service tonight, we'll be meeting around the Lord's table. It is for those who are born again of God's Spirit, those who know Christ, who are walking in fellowship with Him, and we invite you to remain behind. You don't have to be a member of our congregation, but you do have to be a member of the invisible Church of Christ and know Him as your own, and you are welcome to be with us. If you're not a believer, you don't have to leave the service. You're welcome to observe. You're welcome to stay with us, but we ask you, please, not to take the bread or the cup as it comes past you. After the service of communion, there will be a a young adult choir practice uh, after that part of the meeting tonight. Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time, and Brother Newell will be bringing the message on Wednesday evening, and then Thursday, our session and board will be meeting at 6 and 7.30 for a monthly meeting. Friday night, the gym fellowship Lord's Day, next Lord's Day, morning and evening, our Sunday school, 9.55 for every age, and then also in the morning and evening services, Reverend Gallagher is going to be preaching the word in both times next Lord's Day. By next Sunday evening, or yes, by evening time, if you make sure you have any of the changes that you have for the church directory, we want to get that finalized so we can get it printed and have it ready for the new year. And then there are other advance announcements, but we'll leave them with you to observe on the bulletin that's emailed to you every week. We appreciate the work that Brother McAnally does on that, both Dana and Jonathan taking care of that important ministry. Also happy to have our instruments playing tonight with us, and we're missing one, at least one or two tonight. not, not with us, not able to be here, but we're happy for the contribution of the young people that are taking part, and those who are maybe not so young. Alan, there, you're with us there too. We're happy you're uh, able to participate as well. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise, number 88. I think this will be the first Christmas carol that we have sung in our season, and we're looking forward to that, although in the Sunday school opening this morning, and Brother Kingsley Jew, who takes care of that, he was leading us in some of these very, very nice carols. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord.
very happy our brother Frank DiDerno is with us tonight to bring the word uh, to us. As you know, our brother is under the time of his internship with us in Toronto, and that simply means that when students finish their theological training, the presbytery assigns them to various churches for a period of just about a year so that they can be under the help and direction of the session, the minister of the local church, and they have opportunities to minister the Word of God in different formats. And so I know, as we've said before, we ask for your prayers for our brother and for his wife and for his son, that the Lord would be with them and encourage them while they're here ministering in our congregation. And then, of course, praying for him for his future, as to where God will lead him. Well, our brother's preaching tonight as I am in the midst of doing the lecturing for the seminary. Now, our brother was in those lectures last year, but as you can see, he came through all right. He's still surviving. He survived the ordeal. Well, I don't know how he'll speak to that or not, but nonetheless, I know he'll appreciate your ongoing prayers for him in his future as he is endeavoring to serve the Lord. So, brother, welcome tonight. We're glad that you're here. Amen. Well, we thank our brother. If I see the red pen come out, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, in wrath, remember mercy. Well, it's a pleasure to be here tonight on the Lord's Day, and we do trust that the Lord would minister to you here tonight in the preaching of God's Word, and we will commence, uh, if you have your Bibles, if you can please turn to Esther, uh, Esther chapter 4, Esther chapter 4, a well-known portion of Scripture, when Esther is to go before the king. Esther chapter 4, and we will read the entire chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with hashes. This is when the decree was there that the annihilation of the Jews were to come. And went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate. For none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was a great mourning among the Jews, and fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him 
but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hattach, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hattach went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him, and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her and to change her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hattak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again Esther spake unto Hattak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king in the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Verse 14, which will be our text for tonight. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night, or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. May the Lord add his stamp of approval upon his inherent, inspired, and infallible word. Let us ask, the Lord's, uh, ask for the Lord's help in this evening's worship service. Let, our, let us bow our heads. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee once again that we are found in the place of worship. Lord, we thank Thee for the service this morning. And the word that went forth, Lord, we pray that thou would do it again here tonight. Lord, we pray, and Lord, we ask of thee, that Lord, we confess that we know that man's arm is very short. We thank thee that the arm of God is not short, that it cannot save. 
Lord, we ask of Thee that Thou would visit us afresh here tonight. Lord, that would be a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, it would be my desire here tonight to preach as a dying man to a dying people. Lord, if it would please Thee to desire that Thou would grant that desire here tonight. Lord, that the Word would go forth with help from the Holy Ghost. Give accuracy of preaching. Give a receptive ear to what God has to say here tonight. Open our hearts. Unite us, O Lord. And Lord, may there be a fresh vision of the Savior. Be with us, we ask. Undertake for us, we ask. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. In this present world, it's quite funny as you meet people and you talk to uh, many strange fellows, you can say, and there's many strange ideologies of this world. Well, you ask people, uh, well, do you believe everything happens for a reason, or uh, what is your belief? And many will say, well, I believe in karma, uh, I believe in random chance, I believe that, you know, uh, the world's uh, smashed together and we're here for whatever reason it may be. But for such a time as this, why are we here? And what does the Bible say about for our age? As our text it says here, For thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Why is the church appointed? Is church just a man's institution or has it been appointed by God? Are we here by mere chance this, morning, uh, this evening or are we here in the sovereignty of God? A peculiar book Esther is because you won't find God being spoken in this whole book. You can search it, but you won't find it. You won't find any miracles. You won't find the word Lord. As a matter of fact, you won't find much of God. Well, you say, preacher, that's very peculiar because doesn't the whole Bible uh, preach about God? Yes, it does. But here as we get into the word, we're going to see uh, what God's working is here in a book where it doesn't mention him. A very peculiar thing in the world, well, and many believe here in the Word, but in this chapter it starts with the connection of the effect of Haman's plan. As we see the, wicked, the, the bitter cry of Mordecai right off in verse 1, we see him when Mordecai perceived all that was done, when Haman's plan was the decree was passed to destroy all the Jews, Morning amongst the Jews, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes. The great distress in which the whole were involved in account given to Esther, this orphan girl that was brought up in the middle of nowhere, as Peter would have preached, that the weak were called to confound the mighty. Why was Esther appointed for this time to go before the king to liberate the Jews? This orphan a lady, you can say, that was, well, had nothing to do with anything, really. Well, therefore, she conveyed messages with Mordecai upon it who would adopt her. Mordecai would have been as old as her father at the time showing that she needed to act and intervene in this life, and Mordecai would have taught her the Scriptures and uh, everything and the promises of God and uh, everything and that our God is a covenant-keeping God. 
Mordecai reminds Esther that in the sovereignty of God that she was placed in her position for a very reason. No, it wasn't by chance. It wasn't uh, because of man's ordinance. It was truly a compassionate plea for deliverance that this was a life or death situation for such a time as this. As we come to Mordecai in our text, as it says here in Mordecai's argument 4 verse 14, there is a message for all God's people. Why are we here? Friend, it's a personal Savior, it's a personal God, that God would speak to you directly here tonight as your personal Lord and Savior. Why are we here? Mordecai reminds Esther that in the providence of God that she was placed in the position for a reason. It was truly a compassionate plea for deliverance for such a time as this. In our text in Esther 4 verse 13, as we see the message, God has a work for His people to do. God has a work for His people to do for such a time as this. Why are we not brought up in the year of 100? Why are we not brought up in the times of Noah or the times of Moses, but we're, we're here in the year 2022, 2,000 years after the death of Christ? This is our generation. This is our time for such a time as this. This is where we're serving God, but this is why we're here. God has a work for His people for such a time as this, in this wicked world of apostasy and evilness. Well, let us see how the Lord works in a book where God is not even mentioned. Well then, friend, let's get into it. My first point I want to uh, preach to you tonight is God's divine purpose and His call to do His work in perilous times. Divine opportunity given to God's people in our text reads, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Notice the argument of Mordecai as he's going before Esther and explaining to her, well, if you're going to keep silent and you're not going to do anything about it, well, the Lord's going to call someone else. Here it goes on as Mordecai is used to persuade Esther to understand the seriousness of the situation. And friend, I want to tell you something. As we open up, with Mordecai, there's a sense of need for the lost. Notice what it says here. When Mordecai perceived that all what was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry, Where is God? Where is God? Friends, we must be truthful with ourselves that many times we have said the same thing. Many times if we're in situations, whether it's in the church, whether it's a personal circumstance, whatever trial you're going through in sickness, whatever it might be, we say the same thing. Where is God? A decree was passed. The annihilation of the Jews was at hand. 
And we know as we come down and we see at verse 3, and in every province whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was a great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many, it says, many lay in sackcloth and ash. These were the last days for them. Friend, if you can put yourself in their shoes, these were the last days. Uh, death was near. This was truly the end for them. And you know, people begin to get very spiritual when death is near. You'll see it very in this world. It's very apparent that when death comes around the corner, uh, people begin to get very spiritual. Now you call upon God. And therefore, we come to Esther and Mordecai conferring in verse 4, so Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. His burden for the lost was great. My friend, I tell you in our time, how can you testify of the Lord Jesus Christ to the lost if you're not burdened for the lost? How can you preach the gospel if there's no burden for those that are going to perish? It opens up here that Mordecai, he's on the street. He's crying after the lost. That's the burden. That in our Christian lives may present an opportunity that we may fail by being silent. Friend, let me tell you that God's work will continue to go on even through the failures of men. It doesn't depend upon man. God's promises don't depend upon man. It depends upon God as keeping His sovereign promises. As God is keeping His covenant, as He is a, a covenant-keeping God, it has nothing to do with the failures of men. It's not our responsibility that in the time of great declension, uh, well, isn't it our responsibility that in the time of great declension, as it was in Esther's time, that this great wicked decree was there, that Esther was not made to be silent? And is it not our responsibility that in, this, that in these days of apostasy, that it's our duty to make a stand for God Almighty? Divine opportunity is a call from God. God has a work for His people to do even in perilous times. God is working. God is working. You might not be able to see it, and here as we open up here in Esther, we see, well, in the whole book, there's not a mention of God, but the finger of God is at work. The finger of God is at work that God has a work for His people to do even in perilous times. Esther was without a doubt tempted to be silent. It would have been her fleshly desire to keep silent. It would have been uh, her understanding uh, to keep quiet about the things of God. Well, Esther was appointed to speak up in a time that had great implications. The danger of being silent for God will have ramification. The silence of selfishness can be seen amongst God's people when they fail to speak up about the Lord. 
If you speak up about the things of God, well, it has ramification. You might lose friends. You might use, lose family members. You may separate yourselves from them. There may be, even to the extreme extent as uh, we see around the world, death comes at a cost. And Esther would have known that if I'm to speak up, there's a chance I'm going to perish here. For as it states in the scripture uh, that it talks about the law that if you're not summoned before the king and you just go before the king, there's a chance you're going to perish. Lest the king raises the golden scepter. Look at verse 11 as it reads there uh, halfway through. Who is not called? There is one law of his to put him to death except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter. Well, she was to go above the king's law, as Mordecai is pleading for her to do. This was a divine opportunity. All these people's lives rested upon this queen, this Esther, whose name is Shining Star. A divine opportunity. And friend, as we know, uh, simply as we look into the night sky and we see uh, the stars as they shine so bright and we see that through all the darkness, well, there's a dissipation. And one of the great properties of light is that it dissipates the darkness. But Esther was to be that light in the midst of darkness. For such a time as this that she was appointed for that very time. An orphan child adopted by Mordecai that for such a time as this that Mordecai is pleading with her that you must do something and if you are to keep silent, remember something. Remember this then. It says, says here in verse 14, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Notice as he goes on to say, And who knoweth? And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Here we know is the cry of Mordecai's response as he puts pressure on Esther. He reminded her uh, that she risked death whether she approached the king or not because he was telling her that you're still a Jew, you're going to die just like the rest of the Jews if you don't speak up. Look at the nature of Mordecai's argument here in verse 13. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. It's a compelling argument. And here in... The argument, firstly, we see that there are three lines to his argument. Firstly, that Esther herself will not be exempt from the, from the destruction under the decree. And secondly, he reveals his own conviction that God will not permit the extinction, the extinction of his people. And thirdly, the outcome of her decision is so far-reaching that without exaggeration, she is now at the very moment where her life's purpose is is at stake. She's compelled to make a stand for God Almighty. Friend, as 
We are placed on this earth to be challenged in the time of darkness. The church of Jesus Christ was appointed for such a time as this. To be placed in perilous times. To be placed in the midst of fierce opposition. To do battle with the powers of darkness. What did the Lord say in His teachings in the Scripture? He says, light, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You're called to make a stand. You're not called to just blend into society. We're not called to mere walk through this life without confronting the powers of darkness. Lord Jesus Christ said that ye are the salt of the earth. Esther was called to be the salt of the earth as she was to confront the king. A service required by God in a crucial time, a time to be useful in an appointed time so that we might serve Him. Notice the words of our text. Then shall relief and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Mordecai shows the spirit of the history of Israel that they were the people appointed of God that God somehow, some place would keep His promise. He's a covenant-keeping God. You don't understand, Mordecai's saying. The Lord will honor His promise. Despite the persecution from the wicked king. Is that karma? Is that what the world calls karma? Is that random chance? These were the appointed people of God on the verge of annihilation, the possessors of the promise of God. God had a purpose for the placement of His servants. What great application to the church. One side of the church may fail to rise up to its duty to serve. They may slam the doors shut, but not the whole church. Not the whole church of Jesus Christ. Yes, there's many have failed, many have apostatized, and many have been turned to entertainment center, but not the whole church. God always has His hand in crucial times. God is working. The time to be proved in divine operation, Mordecai displays his great faith and becomes heroic. He expounds the general principles of the sovereignty of God. Strong faith is truly an inspiration. Notice the words in 4 verse 13 in Mordecai's answer. Think not that with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. He states that think not that thou canst fight against the purposes of God. You can't fight against the purposes of God. Those who go against God's divine will will fall. Have we not seen it in the past? Many wicked kings have tried. They've tried to overturn God's will. They've tried with armies. They've tried with wealth. They've tried with power. They've tried by taking territory. They've tried by persecuting Christians. They've tried by every persecution under the sun. But yet it couldn't turn the will of God. That all man's best days, the most powerful armies that you could possibly imagine, 
have not turned his will. Those who go against God's divine will will fall. Are we not charged to go into the world and preach the gospel? It is our duty to serve God with all our being for the cause of Christ, not to work against the tide and to go against His sovereign will. This is a God-given opportunity. This is a special call. Mordecai, he's pleading with Esther that for such a time as this, that now is your time to shine. We think of how the Lord raised Esther to be queen. As the shining star. As the Bible says that the weak are made to confound the mighty. How true is that? An orphan, this little orphan girl would have been raised up to be served right before the king. That all these people's lives would have been in her hands. Often think of David and his call to be king. In 1 Samuel, as it says, Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all the children? Is this is all you have to offer? And he said, No, there remaineth yet the youngest, but he's just in the field. You don't want to see him. He's just tending to the sheep. Look at the other ones. That's the ones you want. Behold, he keepeth the sheep, and Samuel said unto Jesse, Ascend and fetch him, bring him to me, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. That's the man I want. that random chance, friends? I want to know tonight, is this some random act or is this God appointing a king for the time as he points to David and as he points to Esther? This is the person for the time. When Moses passed away, there was great mourning. There was great mourning amongst the Jews. But there was a Joshua. There was a Joshua to take over. And when Joshua passed away, there was another Joshua didn't end. It doesn't end here tonight. God is working. God works in the hearts of every believer. He works in the hearts of the unbeliever. He convinces of sin. Shows His promise. Where is God? We cannot save our lives without losing them. Remember the words of Christ himself. For whosoever will save his life shall lose, shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You don't think Esther was thinking about this? If I perish, then I perish. 
Whosoever will lose my life for my, whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. As a child of God, we must never hold back the cause of Christ. Ye are the salt of the earth. It's easy to compromise. It's very easy to compromise. It's very easy to blend in. It's very easy to keep quiet. It's very easy to just rub shoulders with the world and to go and to just blend in. But God's providential purpose in every opportunity to serve Him. Notice the words, Who knoweth whether thou art not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai sees more than just the circumstances of life. Mordecai sees more than just the circumstances of life. He believes in an overruling, sovereign rule of God even over the king. God is in control. He's teaching her. Mordecai begins to understand the finger of God moving that brings Esther to this point of time, this pivotal climax of the teaching here tonight. A God-appointed time, not by random chance. Forget about the false notion of the world's view that, oh, it must be karma. Forget about the notion that it's just a mere flip of the coin. No, I'll tell you, it's the sovereignty of God. As the blueprint of life, you can see God is the great architect as He works out everything through history that we're here because of Him. The dividing up of the land right to the taking of territory, there's a time for everything. And that's the teaching. There's a time for everything. As God speaks in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. There's a purpose in every time, every generation, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. The life of many are in her hands, and she now has an opportunity from God to accomplish His will for her life. Friend, do you have that opportunity in your life? Are you seeking the Lord's will in your life? It's a personal Savior. It's a personal God. He doesn't just work on the, the preacher. He doesn't just work on the missionary. He works on you. But we're all equal. Friend, God has a work for His people to do in evil times. Esther urged. Esther's urged to do something. Mordecai's urging her, do something. We're not saved by works, but we're saved unto good works. We're saved to do something for God. And here she was charged to confront the king for her people, and then emphasized in verse 18, she was not to remain silent or quiet, but was her duty to go before the king, being identified as a Jew herself, to expose the king of his sinful act to destroy. She was asked to make a stand for God Almighty. This is a great work to be done for God in these days of apostasy. Is it not our responsibility to expose the wicked agendas of the wicked ones? Is it not our duty to get after the lost? 
Is it not our duty to be charged in these end times to preach the good news gospel to those that are going to perish? Make a stand for the cause of Christ. God has a work for His people to do in days of apostasy. Esther did not have an invitation to the king. Mordecai was asking not an easy thing. This was a very hard thing. Don't think this was something easy. She would have pondered on this. She would have pondered on this. It's, it's life or death. The argument used in verse 14, Mordecai shows Esther that God has placed her in the place for this time to intervene on the behalf of those that are going to perish. Who knows, he says. Who knows, he says, that all those events, that all those circumstances, all the wicked actions by the king, all those wicked decrees was in accordance to God's plan. Who knows, he says, for maybe for such a time as this. Sovereignty of God over all things, it all has divine appointment. Her upbringing, her upbringing as we mentioned, her task at hand, her role in the palace, God is dealing personally with her as he deals personally with you. Although, friend, the name of God is not mentioned in this whole book, He's working on every page. He's working on every page. God has placed us in this place to do the challenge for the, to be the challenge for the hour for such a time as this that God has a work for His people to do. Why has God placed me? Well, in this generation, you ask where anything goes, where wickedness and evil is overflowing. I tell you, friend, it's for such a time as this. A God-appointed time that you would make a stand for Him, that you would be a witness to do something for Him where God has placed us, we must work. Or friend, it's better to be in a position where the circumstances of life are against you. It's better to be in a position where the turbulent storms of life are battering upon your life. It's better to be in a position where the devil's against you. It's better to be in a position where the powers of darkness come to engulf you and to be in God's will. It's better to be in God's will. Better to have all those things against you and have God for you. As we read this morning, as our brother read in Romans 8.31, what shall we say then these things if God be for us? Then who can be against us? Oh, friend, it's for such a time as this. And notice as we come to a close here in verse 16. Ah, she makes her stand. A great woman of the faith, this shining star made to dissipate the darkness, this woman appointed for the time. Then she goes and she makes her stand and she says, well, if I perish, then I perish. She takes the call and she makes a stand for God Almighty in a day and an age of an apostate king. And no friend is the teaching of this book of Esther, chapter 4. The teaching is not about her. It's not about Esther. No, it's not about Mordecai. 
It's not about the circumstances. It's not about the wicked king, but it's about the sovereignty of God Almighty. And friend, for each and one of us have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. God dealing with us. He's a God of action. The God who's working even in our time, friend, I tell you today, the significance of the book of Esther is that it goes hand in hand with the rest of the Old Testament to foreshadow and point to Jesus Christ as deliverer. You say, friend, well, it doesn't tell me that. It doesn't say it. I tell you, well, give me a second and I'll tell you it does. It's meant here for the rest of the Old Testament to foreshadow and point to Jesus as deliverer and mediator for God's people. You say, well, it doesn't explicitly say that in the book. You are right. Strikingly, neither the Messiah nor even God is mentioned in all this book. It's the only book in Scripture where God seems to be missing. But to my point, I want to show you something you can see when everything seems to be under the control of the godless, apostate, the wicked, where it's overflowing with wickedness. And when God's people, because of their own sin, have lost all memory of Him, of their true identity, and of their land, despite all of this, God is nevertheless at work to fulfill the promise of His ultimate triumph over His enemies. Genesis 3.15. Does not God protect His promises? Genesis 3.15 was at stake. The gospel was at stake because these were the appointed people of God. Genesis 3.15 was at stake, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This was at stake. God's not going to let his promise go. The gospel's here. You just have to look for it. Triumph of God's kingdom is not dependent upon the faithfulness of God's people. Even when they think that the only way to survive is to blend in or keep quiet, God is yet still able and willing to deliver for His own glory and for His own name's sake. May the Lord bless His message to our hearts and may you, may you leave refreshed in your soul knowing that God is at work in our time and that His sovereign rule is even over the wickedness of of our time. Let us make a close and sing our final hymn. Hymn number 125. Oh, how sweet the glorious message simple faith may claim. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Still he loves to save the sinful, heal the sick and lame, cheer the mourner, calm the tempest. Glory to his name. Let us stand to sing the entire hymn.